Want to be confident when talking about yourself and explaining what you do? Join my free 21-day confidence building course. You'll learn how to construct a personal elevator pitch, learn how to not be awkward in social situations, how to have awesome conversations, among other important skills to help you crush life. Best of all, it's free. Sign up now at freeconfidencecourse.com. From the C Method, my name is Christina Cantors, and this is Stand Out, Get Noticed, the podcast that helps you communicate with confidence and clarity so you can get what you want in business and in life. To subscribe to the show and download the back catalogue, go to thecmethod.com slash podcast. Happy almost Christmas, Rockstar. Thank you very much for joining me for episode 40 of Stand Out, Get Noticed. You'll discover how to manage your nerves, overcome anxiety, and you'll also learn why it's important to be performance ready in your day-to-day life. And you'll learn more about what it actually means to be performance ready as well. This episode is with the wonderful Karen Jacobson, who's a singer-songwriter and the voice of Siri. Yes, really. Before we get to that, I'd like to say that episode 40 is really, it's a real milestone for this show because my first podcast, Presentation Skills for Design Students, that it has a, it had a total of 39 episodes. So hitting episode 40 means that I've surpassed my original record for my, for podcasting, I suppose. If you're wondering what happened to that last podcast, well, I got to 39 episodes and I realized that it was time for a pivot. It was very specific to people in the architecture and design industry, as I used to be an architect, and I wanted to reach an audience outside of that and also expand the scope of the podcast outside presentation skills and job hunting. Now, you may be thinking, why didn't I just start this podcast with this audience from the very beginning? Well, at the time, right, when I started my first podcast, that's what I knew. I knew about how to present as an architect and how to present yourself in job interviews and so on. If you told me, Christina, you can podcast about comfort challenges and confidence and pitching for business owners. If you told me that, I wouldn't have been able to do it because I hadn't actually done all that stuff at the time, right? So I did what I knew as, and as I learned, I, I, I progressed, I gained experience and my skill set grew and I discovered more about what I could help people with. So I pivoted with my show. Now, the lesson, I think, I mean, for me anyway, from this is that what you do, what you create, it really doesn't have to be the be all and end all, you know, the one perfect thing from the very start. The important thing, in my opinion, is to just do something, right? You can always change it later, but you'll never discover what you truly want to do or what you're really good at if you don't start doing stuff. It's exactly the same with my personal blog at christinacantors.com. I started that, I started that in May 2013, and I was blogging about CrossFit and, and sharing healthy recipes. That was the idea. And it was actually called Kips and Kale, which is specific to CrossFit and healthy eating. And I've since changed it to christinacantors.com because now it's more about my life lessons and travel and quitting coffee and things like that. The, the whole blog has evolved. And that's okay. I'm always changing. My interests are changing. And along with that, so should my work change as well and evolve with me. 
So if you're feeling stuck in an area of your life because you don't think that what you're doing is the right thing or you're not, you're not sure what's the, the best place to start, maybe you don't, you don't know if it's the right thing for you, don't worry about it. Just make a decision and do something and you'll eventually discover that thing. It'll lead you to that thing if you just keep on doing what feels right at the time. Yeah? Cool. Okay, so that's – I wasn't expecting to share that. That's your life lesson for the week. So uh, let's get into the real meat, shall we? So speaking of my first podcast, actually, this conversation with Karen Jacobson was originally published on the first podcast, and I'm sharing it again because it's on a topic I haven't yet covered on this on this show. We're talking about overcoming anxiety. Now, firstly, a bit about Karen – Karen Jacobson is a successful singer-songwriter. She's also a speaker, coach, and a voiceover artist. She's originally from a small town here in Australia, and she moved to America in 2000 to pursue her dreams. And that's where I met her. I met her in New York City, and I was totally inspired by what she has accomplished. Check this out. She is the GPS girl as in the actual voice in tens of millions of GPS units around the world, helping people to reach their destinations. What I love about Karen is she now helps people recalculate their own personal journeys through life and helps them to figure out their goals or, or their life destinations. And she does that over at thegpsgirl.com. Now, even if you don't use a GPS, if you're an iPhone user, you've probably also already heard Karen's sweet, sweet voice because she's also Australian Siri. Pretty cool, huh? When I discovered that, I, I nearly lost it. I was like, what? Anyway, moving on. Another reason I'm re-featuring Karen this week is because she's actually performing in Melbourne at Carols by Candlelight at the Sydney My Music Bowl. So people in Melbourne, you'll be able to watch her sing either if you're going to the carols or on TV. I was just thinking, actually, I wonder if at the end of her song she'll say, you have reached your destination. <laughs> anyway, enough of me. Show notes for this episode will be at thecmethod.com slash Karen, K-A-R-E-N. And let's get to it. Let's meet the fabulous Karen Jacobson. You're a successful singer-songwriter, speaker, coach, and voiceover artist, which is just super impressive in itself. But what many people may not realize is that they already know you as you're the GPS girl, as in the actual voice in tens of millions of GPS units all around the world, telling people what to do and where to go. I just think that is so, so cool. Would you be willing to share with us just how did you land that gig? Well, I am originally from Mackay in North Queensland in Australia. I always wanted to live in New York. Sorry. I always wanted to live in America. And eventually, uh, at the age of 30, I moved to New York City, uh, and that was in the year 2000. And I've been you know, creating a life here ever since. And when I first came over here, I was performing and writing, singing and, you know, playing piano, writing songs. But what I had done for many years in Australia was voiceover work. And I started to do voiceover work here and I went to an audition and they were looking for a native Australian female voiceover artist living in the northeast of the United States which was very specific. Yes. <laughs> and, 
I when I read that brief, I just thought that that is a description of me. They that this is my job. And I went to the audition, I got the job and ended up recording for almost 50 hours to create a voice system that has ended up in a lot of GPSs and smartphones around the world. That's just so cool. That's really, really exciting. What was the, what was your favorite part of, of doing that? <laughs> That's a great question. You know, uh, I'm, I met a great group of people. They took me to a town in upstate New York and I was there for three weeks. They put me in a hotel. I recorded from nine till one every day and then I had the rest of the day off. So I think it was just a really enjoyable experience all round because I, you know, and we're going back a few years before uh, we were as connected as we are now on our, you know, with email on our mobile phones, etc. So I, I really enjoyed it. I wrote songs in the afternoon. Every day after we would finish, I would go somewhere great for lunch. I, I just remember it as being a, a, a great experience all around. What are your two things about hearing your own voice? <laughs> my two things about hearing my own voice. Yes. And I ask this because I know a lot of people struggle with this. And because I say to a lot of people, you know, if you want to do well at presenting and get better at speaking, it really helps if you can record yourself and listen back. And so many people say to me, I just hate the sound of my own voice. And I just really, it's really confronting and I really struggle with, I, I just hate it. I can't, I can't do it. And this is something that I struggled with. So, for you as a as a professional voiceover artist who has to hear a voice over and over and over again what are what are the two things that that you can extract from that that could potentially help help people who are struggling with this right and i i do remember back to when i had not yet done voiceover work and i was because i'd done voiceover since i was 21 so i remember in my late teens having an answering machine and having my voice on the answering machine message and hating the sound of my own voice. So even though I'm now completely comfortable with it, I do remember that. So I would say I can think of the, the first one is it is rule number one to allow your, like, to let go of all of that noise and all of those reactions we have about hating the sound of our own voice. There is absolute magic and success on the other side of that. It is such a huge piece to be willing to let go of our own uh, judgments of ourselves around the sound of our own voice. If you can let go of that judgment and be with it, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's. I think it's a, a very big um, parallel to being okay with ourselves in general and being accepting of ourselves in general. So I think it, it can really uh, symbolize that. Yeah. So that would be, be one is to be willing to let go of our judgments of ourselves and, and to consider that it, we could actually be accepting and peaceful with how our voice sounds, even if we're not exactly, but just to practice that. So that's one, or is that two? <laughs> no, that's, that, that's one. That's one. Yeah. And it, it only gets easier. 
is number two. Ah, uh, I like that. Once you're willing to do that, as uncomfortable and blooming horrible as it feels and seems and sounds to us, if you are willing, I promise you, it only gets easier the more you do that, the more you give up your resistance to that. And you're, you're brilliant because this is such an, such an insightful question. If you can achieve those two things, it's, there is such breakthrough potential in every aspect of your life, not just of your presentation skills. And I'm sure you have touched on how if you are a confident presenter and able to w walk in front of a room and speak to a group of people feeling completely calm about who you are and what you are there to share, there are miracles happening everywhere in your life because it is actually the number one fear that people have above dying. Like it's, it's the, people would rather die than public speak. So if you can practice your ability to do that with, with comfort, it will, it just ricochets everywhere in your life in the most positive ways. Yeah. It's, and, and doing, doing that and recording your own voice and listening back to it in private, that's a really good way to practice that because there's no one else around and you're not actually being vulnerable in front of anyone else. So I think that's, it's a really good practice to be vulnerable in front of yourself first. Yeah, absolutely. But it is almost the hardest audience. <laughs> yeah. This is no, true. <laughs> and one of the, one of the tools I use as a speaker, I, that I, it's my experience that this is the most powerful practice is to practice in the mirror. Now there are some presentation coaches who will not recommend that. I do recommend that. I think it is by far the most powerful kind of practice I can do because if I can stand myself looking at myself in the mirror, presenting to myself, speaking to myself, speaking to the person in the mirror like that's a real person, not like, oh my God, look at my hair, <laughs> but getting past all of those concerns and all of that noise. Then when I'm in front of a room, I'm not thinking, how does my hair look? Oh, I wonder if I look like this. I wonder if I seem like that. I'm not thinking about myself. That's all gone and I'm actually able to be with the people in the room. So, so the recording, your voice is another version of that, being able to be with yourself, to be comfortable with yourself and accepting of the way you sound no matter what. It's, it's a... It's not to be underestimated. I mean, I could write an entire book on that. In fact, I might. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you do. I, I would love to read it. I'm sure it'll be absolutely fascinating. So, yeah, please do and let me know. Let me know when you've done it. <laughs> well, I will be thanking you in the credits. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> now, Karen, I've, I've heard you speak and I've heard you share all sorts of wonderful stories. But one thing I was really fascinated to learn about was that you suffered from anxiety when you were younger. Would you, oh, yeah. be, would you be willing to share with us what that was like? Um, I can share the good, the bad, and the ugly about that. <laughs> um, when I was at primary school, I started to sing on stage, and I think I was, I was five when I sang in my first concert. My mum sewed my dress. That's what they did back then. People <laughs> Uh, and I had always sung around the house. We had a piano in the house. I, I was clearly musical because I wouldn't stop singing. And I 
sang in a concert and I remember being absolutely terrified. And it conti- from there I was asked to sing in Steadfords, in school concerts and, and in competitions, piano competitions to play. And any time I had to be on stage, I would get so anxious that the abdominal pains that I would have were so bad I would have to be at home from school. Like I, I couldn't stand up. I was in so much pain. Wow. Wow. And that would happen for a week or weeks at a time leading up to a big performance. And this is at the age of seven or eight. You know, this is very little. And they would send me to the doctor for a round of, you know, for every test that they'd invented. And after every round of tests, the doctor would come out to my parents and say, there's absolutely nothing wrong with your daughter. It's just nerves. So I was dealing with these really chronic nerves and, and, and anxiety, and it was very confusing. I didn't know why that was happening. I didn't know, I, you know, I thought something was wrong with me, not medically wrong with me, just like I'm a bad person. There's something wrong with me from a child's perspective. And, but I knew that I was in love with singing and that I needed to perform. I felt totally called to do that and driven to do that. So it was confusing because I, I, it made me feel sick and it did not really, I really didn't get a hang, handle on anxiety, fully get a handle on it until I was in, in my 30s. So I suffered for a very long time. So what, what steps did you take to overcome it? As a child, I just was at the, really at the, um, effect of it and it didn't really matter how much more I performed I still felt anxious and but I I just kept powering through and doing it and I didn't have a lot of tools at that point not compared to now I didn't even know what meditation was I didn't know what yoga was wouldn't that have been a difference (laughs) um but in my late 20s, well, my, when I was 30 actually, I made the decision I was going to move to New York City and it became clear to me I really, I've got to get this handled. I have this problem. I get so anxious and I, I'm, if I'm going to move to big bad New York City, I've got to find a way to get this dealt with. And around that time I was studying with a vocal teacher, an Australian singing teacher called Kerry Bedell and she is just a masterful singer and teacher And I learned that the value of 50 rehearsals equaled one performance. And what I took from that is if I could perform as much as possible, and that's worth 50 rehearsals at a time, maybe I can get this handled because I could reduce the lag time between when I knew I was going to be performing or on stage and actually being on stage. So there wasn't this room in between to get worried about it. So I thought if I could always be performance ready and know that at a moment's notice I could be on stage, I wouldn't have any room to be anxious because I would always be ready to be on stage. So what I did was when I first moved to New York, I would say yes to any opportunity to perform. So I would perform for money, for no money, as a guest artist on somebody else's bill, with my own shows, and I was just, every other night, I was on stage. And that is partly how I got it handled, because I was able 
to always be performance ready. And I say this to people who are speaking or who want to be able to speak professionally or be in front of a room. I said, you just take every opportunity possible to be in front of a group. And this is not just in a professional capacity, but perhaps you belong to a community group and they need somebody to get up and say a few words. Perhaps you're at a family occasion at somebody's birthday. You know, ding the glasses and get the attention and say a few words to honor, honor the person in front of your family. Again, this can be a confronting thing to do. But if you can take that opportunity and leap into that and take the lead, it will make it so much easier because you will not have that same lag time and lead up of, oh, my goodness, I'm going to speak in front of a group of people, but it will just become what you do and who you are. That's perfect. That You know, I really love how that advice of how we can apply that to different areas of our life and, and not necessarily having to be on stage but looking for situations in which you're in front of a group to, to speak. Now, I like this could apply, you know, um, if you're in if you're in school, you know, even something as simple as raising your hand to ask a question or contributing to a discussion. That's and right. I, I went to a lecture the other week and there was, it was a big lecture hall full of lots and lots of people. And at the end, they asked for questions. And I was actually really terrified because it, it's scary putting your hand up and asking a question in front of all these people. But I was like, no, I just, I just want to do it. So I put my hand up and I asked a question and I was really nervous. My heart was pumping, even though I only you know, said one sentence, but, you know, doing things like that, I think that's a, yeah, as you said, it's a really good way. Just take advantage of all of those opportunities to speak in front of a group, no matter how small or, or large, or if it's family, friends, just, just do it. Absolutely. I've taken to, you know, in certain instances where I've been in a, it's often in a, in a pretty nice restaurant or with a big group, I will, uh, like big group as in it's, I'm at a, a business or a, or a friend's occasion where there might be a special occasion of some kind. And and I have, um, you know, if the meal's been really beautiful, I've asked the waiter if they could bring the chef out for me to sing and so that as a show of gratitude. And I will, you know, I will sing to thank the chef. And, I mean, I, that, I couldn't have even begun to imagine having the confidence to do that when I was younger. That just would have freaked me out. And now I, because I would have think, been thinking about myself and my fear. Now I'm thinking, how could I be of service? How could I use my, um, my gifts or my, you know, my abilities to honor somebody else? How could I make this night completely special and totally memorable for the people here with what I have to offer? And it's not about money. It's not about me, you know having anything to do with that as a profession it's really as a gesture of thanks yeah and and of course the the reaction almost every time is just total surprise and delight and how wonderful to be able to do that and you can people can do that with their words just as easily as they can with music so you know there could be an occasion where you bring the chef out and actually stand and acknowledge the chef uh, for the entire group and then have a round of applause or a bravo or whatever that might be. I mean, there are just creative ways that are pretty obvious once you know what they could be, uh, very easy and effortless to to be a person who leads and acknowledges people and speaks in front of a group. Wow. I love that. Just that crea- creating those opportunities yeah, instead of waiting for them to come up. Yeah. Um, there's a, a, 
a speaker and a writer I just love called Dr. John D. Martini, and one of the things he says is the quality of your life is the quality of the questions you ask yourself. So if you're walking around ask, thinking to yourself, how can I be able to speak in front of a group? What's the next opportunity to do that? It's amazing the ones that show up. Yeah. All right. I'm going to put a link to Dr. John D. Martini in the show notes for your go to have a look at his work. Excellent. <laughs> now, Karen, we've got time for just one more question. And I'd like to ask you, what, what advice do you have for people? What can, what can they do right before they are about to deliver a presentation or, or go into a high pressure environment, like, like an important meeting or a job interview? What's something that they can do that's going to just help them calm their nerves and just reduce a bit of that anxiety that they, they may be feeling? Okay. I have, can I give two things? <laughs> of course. I'm all about two things. All about the two things. Okay. You've heard this before and it's about breathing. And the reason you've heard this before is because it works. So it's all about your breath. If you're in a high pressure situation or there's anxiety or you are going to be in front of a room, there's a lot of adrenaline. Our bodies are brilliant and they will just be preparing us for it. But there's a high, there's a very slight difference physiologically between anxiety and excitement extremely small difference physiologically. So if you are feeling very heightened in an anxious way, tell you, you can trick your brain into believing it's excitement just by telling yourself, right, I am committed to being excited, not anxious. I'm excited. I'm ex This is excitement. And it's almost like trying to talk your, talk your brain into it. But it's it's one tool that I I would like to say I remember every time, but it's it's a really important one. And your being related to your breath with that is huge. So just actually taking some long breaths in and long breaths out. And if you are feeling really out of it and totally wired around this this event and it's very high pressure, the more breath, more deep long breaths you can force yourself to take. Like really, you might have to, to really be talking, you're talking to yourself and going, okay, I, I don't want to do the breaths, but I'm going to do the breaths and just take 10 really big, deep breaths and just, just to center yourself. The other tool that I would suggest is regarding a word. Now I talk a lot about creating direction. When I'm working one on one with a client or with a group, I will talk about, um, Finding an anchor word, and I, I love to suggest people find a word of the year or a direction of the year um, expressed as one word. And I would say doing this around a presentation is also a great way to go because if you've got one word that you can keep coming back to in the back of your mind or, or just before you walk out there, it's very centering compared to all the many sentences and thoughts that are going through your mind. So it might be um, to do with the material material you're going to deliver or it might be to do with the experience you want to leave the audience with. So you might want to inspire your audience, you want, might want to educate your audience, you might want to thrill your audience, just whatever word that might be, to choose that word and say it's, uh, say it's inspire, just to be thinking about that word inspire, okay, I'm going to inspire, I'm here to inspire. And make sure that word is about the experience your audience is having, 
not the experience you want to have. Like choosing the word calm because you want to feel calm is probably not as effective as, okay, I'm here to inspire. Because when we get out of our own head, that's when we can really deliver effectively. If you are thinking about yourself and your speech and your lines and your words and yourself, you are not actually there thinking about the point, which is how do I make sure the people in the room are served with my message? So I find I'm only ever nervous when I'm thinking about myself. And if I'm clearly thinking about what I'm delivering to the people in the room, my nerves go away. Wow, that's powerful stuff. Thank you so much, Karen, for sharing that. That's that's amazing. That's something I hadn't considered before. That just oh. the thinking of the one word. I mean, you're right. I had heard of, of the breathing thing, and I know the I know breathing, taking long, slow breaths works. I had not heard of that thinking of one word of, and what what I want this presentation to result in. So that's really awesome. <laughs> well, we have come to the end of the interview, unfortunately, Karen. Where can people find you online if they want to learn about more about you and, and what you do? I love it when people want to find me online and connect. It's great. It's the, the best fun. I feel so, you know, great about this era we're in to be able to feel so connected and be so connected. Uh, people can connect with me on Twitter. I'm at the GPS girl. On Facebook, come, you know, be a part of my community. It's facebook.com forward slash the GPS girl. And my website, the GPS Have I mentioned all the big ones? <laughs> I think if we just Google GPS girl, you'll come up, right? I do. I come okay. Up. <laughs> all right. I am very happy to hear from people. How awesome is Karen? Like I mentioned before, she's in Melbourne performing at Carols by Candlelight on on uh, Christmas Eve, and she's also doing a tour of Australia before she returns to New York City. You can visit thegpsgirl.com if you want to learn more. And that wraps up a very special episode 40. It's only a couple of days until Christmas. I hope you're not stressing out too much, and, and I hope that you have a fabulous Christmas Day with your family and friends and enjoy all the beautiful company and food and prezies and singing and dancing. Well, I'll be singing and dancing anyway with my family. That's what we do. Uh, anyway, have an amazing day and I'll see you on the other side of Christmas, probably whilst you're all nursing your food babies. Okay. That's all from me this week. My name's Christina Cantors, and this has been Stand Up, Get Noticed.
Merry Christmas. <laughs>